Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here, back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 102, Gumbo Live, the number one-ish Facebook Live talk show, at least on Tuesday nights, right? Dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, supposed to be Matthew Aslan, the designer and publisher of the Rat Catcher of Solo Games. Steve and I thought it'd be pretty cool and appropriate during this COVID-19 crisis. We'll see. Maybe having some technical difficulties we have because we haven't seen him in the chat yet, but we'll keep an eye out for him. Board Game Gumbo is a proud member of Punchboard Media. Hey, check out some of our other fine members like Open Seat Gaming. That's Marty and Scott and Sarah. They've got a great blog that focuses on ensuring that everyone that wants to join the board gaming hobby, no matter their background, has a seat at the table. Punchboard Media, where we all bring them to the table. Hit us up on social media tonight, on Twitter or on Facebook, at Board Game Gumbo, and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat. That's not Matthew. Nope. That's, this is not. that's the name, Father. <laughs> hey, BJ, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Steve? So, Steve, the name, Father. We got past uh, episode 100. Had a great show with Dustin last week. Mm-hmm. Expecting Matthew in sometime. As you know, uh, maybe you could talk about that right now. Yeah, right. As you know, uh, the time difference between here and Australia, it's actually tomorrow for Matthew yeah. right now. So yeah, hopefully you remembered that we're doing on Wednesday and you're doing on Tuesday, but tell the viewers, tell the chat crew, how do you know about this time difference between, uh, you know, between New York and uh, let's say, um, Hobart, Australia, Hobart, Australia, Tasmania. Yeah. The reason I know about that is in the last week or two, uh, I was a guest on the dice men cometh. Um, it, it's a podcast in, in Australia, uh, uh, with Garth and Leon, some of those folks who watched the, uh, the gumbo extravaganza from two episodes ago saw that Leon was a guest on who talked about coming over to New York and doing his trip around the world with his wife. So, uh, we, what goes around comes around. They scratched our back. I, I scratched theirs. Uh, so appeared on uh, their show this past week and that's up, uh, on their, on their site live or recorded. It was live and, and we recorded and, uh, it's up there for people to listen to. Now we did a review of solo games. We did Watergate. talk about uh, Watergate as a two-player game. Yeah, they have, a, they have a tough time getting access to that one down there, but it's one that they're looking to have. So we did a walkthrough on that and talked a lot about what it's been like, you know, um, gaming from a distance with, um, with COVID-19 and the coronavirus doing its, its dastardly work around the world. It's been hard True. to find face-to-face gaming time, but face-to-face has been replaced with screen-to-screen. So we talked about that for a while, too. True. What I enjoyed is uh, listening to, you know, just, it was just them. Mark was not there. It's just Garth mm-hmm. and, uh, right. and Garth and, um, oh, just drew a blank. Garth and Leon. Leon. Yeah. Garth and Leon. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was good to hear the little witty repartee between the two of them. But what was kind of yeah. cool is this is your second appearance on there. You had done a PAX mm-hmm. uh, recap for them, but this time was it different because it sounded like the last time was audio only, but this time you guys were doing a zoom type thing. Absolutely was. The first time I, I did a, uh, we talked about it in advance and, and Luke and, and Adam and, and a couple of others of us were going to PAX two years ago. And I said, you know, hey, I'm going to be going. You, you, this is a new con in the States. You hadn't really hadn't had their, them getting reports from Gen Con yet. So I said, uh, let me see if I can give you a, um, a report. And Mark and I did a phone uh, interview. 
about 20 minutes and they basically recorded and cut that in. But this one was live the whole time. And um, they did their little, their, their back and forth stuff and some news. And then it was interacting with them as a third dice man, the American dice man, uh, stepping in for Mark. It's at, a at really time. good show. For anybody that hasn't listened to it, uh, check out Dice Men Absolutely coming out on, uh, out on podcast. Oh, yep. we, we have someone else ch- checking in. Hold on. I think he's uh, he's coming in to help us out. Alex, what's going on? Hey, BJ. Hey, Steve. Here's, how are you? Here's hey, our Alex, guest, Alex Matthew Rescue from Australia. Welcome, Matthew. Yeah, thanks. Good day, mate. Uh, <laughs> Good day. Barbie? That's not yeah. a knife. This That's is a not- coffee mug. <laughs> It's a coffee mug. No, that's that was the exa- that was the exact thing that we said when they were going to try and do a New York accent. I said, if you don't do a forget about it, I won't do a that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> you probably didn't get to listen to it because you don't listen to any podcasts other than the Dukes of Dice, Alex. But uh, I don't listen to any podcasts. No, to be clear. So I'm not the kind of person who'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you did a great job and, and haven't actually like listened to the episode. I don't listen to any board game podcasts at all. Period. End yeah. of story. Uh, the only one I ever listened to was Flip the Table back when they were you in the day. Mm-hmm. And that and that podcast is is was amazing and I wish it would come back. And in honor of that podcast. Ooh, yes. <laughs> BJ Morgan Gumbo, I've got my guests here, Alex and Steve, and we're talking about one of the hot Hottest game to hit the market in at least 30 or 40 years. <laughs> Tell us about it, Alex. Uh, so I haven't played it yet. Uh, but Abby has very fond memories of Barbie, Queen of the Prom, as uh, folks who listen to a recent Dukes of Dice episode will, uh, will be aware. It is, uh, from a quick glance, a roll-and-move game. This is the original 1961 game, but the, it was reprinted in the 90s. Uh, it comes with all these lovely surprise cards. It was reprinted, Steve. It got a reprint. <laughs> uh, this That's surprise card what? says... You're voted the most popular girl in your class. If you need one, you may choose any boyfriend who's not taken, or you may exchange your present boyfriend, unless he's your steady date, for any boyfriend not yet taken. Now, I don't know of any mechanical difference between these these boyfriends. Uh, There are four magical boyfriends within this game. (laughs) There are also various dresses uh, that come in this game. Did you say dresses? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So... Wait, you unboxed uh, it? You should have done an unboxed video. I mean, the, I, the fans want to see this. You're right. So uh, there's a silken flame dress, $35 dress, looking very lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a Let's Dance $40 dress. Okay. We have a, a Solo in the Spotlight $50 dress. Is that the going rate, Steve, for dresses for prom? No. Uh, good question. It's yeah. been a long time. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> and then we have the Enchanted Evening uh, 65. This is the most expensive prom dress you can get. Mm. Now, uh, there are also boyfriends. So you need to be, you need to have a dress. You need to have a boyfriend. And we have, of course, Tom. Looking very sharp, Tom. Is that Thomas Green? That's like a younger name father here, I think. It looks more like an Eric, Eric Summer to me than a Tom. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Uh, we have Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Bob. Biff. It was a little old to go into the prom, in my opinion. Yeah, a little bit. That's Biff from uh, Back to the Future. Oh, it did kind of look like him, too. And uh, and we have everyone's least favorite boyfriend, Poindexter. Archie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andy now, do you, need, do you need Malibu Mana to activate these cards, Alex? <laughs> or, or once the boyfriend has been used, you'd have to tap the card and turn turn him so that he's, you know, not, not as needs far to be as reactivated? You do need to be president, president of one of these clubs, though. Of... Uh, the one looks like club, the Lee club, maybe. club, athletic club, or the drama club. Um, now, I will say, I will say this: 
this did do a very early take on deck building, which is, is fascinating to see in a game. That's old. <laughs> no, it doesn't actually have deck building in it. <laughs> yeah, those are discount dresses, Jesse. That's right. You can't get those. Hey, just remember, Steve, Lloyd Rome still can't get the, a reprint. And right. Alex has a reprint, not the original, a reprint yeah. of Barbie the Dream Day game. Like, that's Vassal's Law. <laughs> See, I look, Bill agrees with me. Archie, and that's right. Vassal's Law, if a game is good enough, it's going to get a repeat. Okay, I just noticed this has the weirdest dice. It's, I can't yeah. tell. It, it appears to be. Those are stickers. It, yeah, they, it's sort of stickers, but they're like a high, very high quality sticker. Berkey, okay. we've got the game for you. We're showing off. Show, show it to him, Archie. Berkey, Berkey this, you might remember this one, Berkey. I'm sure this was your jam going out all the time. The Barbie, Barbie Dream. No, Queen of the Prom game. Queen Barbie. of the Prom. Get it right. <laughs> Very important. I, I I think a game topper might reject that game, Alex. It might it yeah. might for it might be forbidden from being on the table. A game topper mat with Barbie on it. Ooh, that might be expensive though. Yeah. Probably a little bit hard to get the rights to that one. I do have a bone to pick with you, Alex, in terms of the uh, the uh, the the uh, board game deathmatch that you had. It was IPs. McDonald's, not an IP. <laughs> <laughs> I considered as my last pick. I've strongly considered doing that. I didn't the doubt it a bit. Played. I didn't doubt you. I was wrong. I, I haven't played it. I haven't played it yet. It's high on the list of games to play, and I hear it's it's very good, corny fun. Uh, but I have not played it yet. So all right, it was in the consideration mix. There, there was I'll give, give you give you a pass. Wow, also in the consideration mix was NHL Icebreak. Ah, you did mention that one. The yeah, Fast Furious poker based hockey game. Cool. So. That would have been interesting. And, and that's an IP, I guess, because it's got the NHL logo on it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's more of an IP than Walnut Grove turned out to be. Which is also <laughs> true. That's absolutely true. Okay, so all during the episode, they talked about it. And then I go on the forums, and they're like, it's not even an IP at all. The designer yeah. has yeah. said it's not an IP. Well, no. Have, have you gotten to the bottom of it? Is it really an IP? Or no, not? it's definitely not, as far as I can tell. Like, but whatever. I mean, it's it's in the moment. We're not gonna, you know, scrabble dictionary, call someone on it. So, um. <laughs> what a fun show, though. I actually started listening to them because they, they really have a good uh, rapport and a chemistry and a camaraderie. I mean, uh, two yeah. of them are related, of course, brother and sister, yes. as I recall. Yeah. But um, all three of them, it's it's such a it's such a. I was saying, Steve, I was telling Alex, I think that we need to, or maybe it was you, we need to bring that on the show here, just a mini version of it. Just, I had a law school professor, and he always said. Uh, if you don't, why why reinvent the wheel? Just mm-hmm. re, just plagiarize, 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 and call it research, research, research. That doesn't sound like good legal advice to no, me. No, you can do that in law school. You you it's re, it's called research. I mean, you you copy right out of somebody else's brief. In fact, the Supreme Court expects you to do that with stare decisis. They they want to see the same language over and over and over again. That would be trouble with intellectual property, of course. So I'm not telling anybody <laughs> to do that, but. Well, it seems like that, that what you're suggesting is to do that with an actual property. <laughs> We're going to do an homage to their show. Uh, okay. okay. Right. But he and, said it in Latin, though, so that makes it okay. Oh. Well, That's the law. That's yeah, the law. No, it's very clear that if you do it in Latin, it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. We'll change 12% of it, and then it'll be – you know what we'll do? We'll give it a dumb Cajun name. And then, of course, it can't be the same game. It's got a Cajun name to it. We're going to call it Board Game Bataille. That's what we're going to call it, Board Game Bataille. <laughs> BJ, is this the least board game, like modern board game related this show has been 15 minutes in? Uh, usually at this time we're talking about games we've played, and you are talking about a game you've played. Not really a modern game, though. 
Have you, have you and Abby, your fiance, gotten any modern games recently? We have. Uh, and in fact, we're set to review one of them on the show. Let me find it. Hang on. Oh, cool. It's on the shelf somewhere. Do we know this uh, game? Uh, I think we do. You know, you know Renegade, so you know, you know, you may have heard of it. I don't know if you know the game. Though. Is this the one that we voted? Uh, not voted. Is this the one we're working on with the, um, with this the, is the one that Abby, Abby took, uh, called an audible? Stella! Called audible. Stella! This is a fantastic little game. Hey, Stella! Excellent. I don't. I don't want to spoil anything for the review for folks who listen to the Dukes, which I don't know what the kind of crossover is. But uh, this is a fantastic little game. Basically, what you're going to do is uh, you're building a telescope. You're building a telescope in front of you, and it, it's kind of based off of these numbered cards that you lay out as sort of your play area in front of you. Um, and then that play area. You will also have five cards that you can draft from, and the cards look like this. You get moon cards, you get stellar clouds, you have black holes, you have asteroids uh, of different kinds, you have satellites. And how this is going to work is at the start of your turn, you're going to pick one card and add to your hand. So you'll have three cards in your hand. Um, then you're going to play a card either to your notebook, which determines how cards score, or you're going to play it to... Uh, your telescope, which determines what is scoring or what, what is being scored. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's in your notebook, you're looking for runs of consecutive numbers in the same thing. So I'm looking for in moons, two, three, and four. Because if I get that, I multiply any moon points I have out on the board by three times. The trick is, whichever side you play to, let's say I play a two to my notebook. Then I look to the row. Remember, there's five numbered cards, one, two, three, four, five. I then have to play the number two card from that slot in the other thing. So if I play to my notebook, the number two card from the row automatically goes into my telescope. Mm-hmm. If there's no card in there, I get top decked. Whatever's on the top of the deck goes in my telescope and I have to place it. Um, at the end of the game, you're going to score based on the multipliers and what's in your telescope. Uh, you're also going to score based on areas because the, it's broken into, I'll show this card, these different regions. So that's how the telescope will be laid out. And the top five cards up here, whoever has the highest kind of total number of things in the top uh, numbers gets 10 points. In the middle, top there gets 10 points. And in the bottom, the top person gets 10 points. But it's, it's this really elegant, um, it's not really a draft, but it's this elegant kind of hand card management kind of system. And it plays really smoothly. It's really puzzly and interesting. And Abby is good at k- kicking my butt in this one. There's something about this one that, that has it just clicked into place for her. So. And, that, and that's from the Fleeples, right? That's uh, Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback, right? It is. And yeah. That is from that. Renegade Games. Renegade Game Studios. Uh, my- an awesome two-player game. So if you're looking for, for a great one, even for folks who aren't hardcore, hardcore gamers, um, it's, it's a simple but deep kind of game. It's in that kind of Arboretum type of category mm-hmm. where you have really simple mechanics, but the puzzle of it is a lot deeper and, and a little bit trickier and leads to some crunchy decisions. Here's where I'm going to play contrarian. One of the reasons why I didn't take a look at it is because the initial theme was so cool. The what was it? W- it was uh, lighthouses. So oh. you're, and I, I, that's one of those things that's just fascinating to me because I'm, I'm not from a place that has lighthouses. I just love them. I love seeing pictures of them. I love visiting them when we're traveling. I, I don't know how the game played, but the thought of these yeah. be- building these beautiful lighthouses and scoring as they shine out into the water just sounded like a really cool idea for a game. 
It instead makes more of, sense with the space theme to me than it yeah. would with the lighthouse theme. Instead oh, of finding finding space things in the sky, you were finding categories of ships, perhaps. Yeah, I, I never played yeah, it. I, I think I'm with sure. Alex on the theme sounding pretty good. Uh, this this version. You're allowed to love lighthouses, and it's certainly not a common theme in games. I, I, I would have a hard time thinking of any lighthouse themed games offhand. I mean, there there are probably games that include lighthouses in them. Mm-hmm. Um, if chat has any suggestions on games that are lighthouse themed, I'd, I'd love to hear it. But Isle of Sky has lighthouses, but it's not a sure. lighthouse game. Yeah, yeah. New Bedford has lighthouses on the cover, a beautiful painting by Nolan mm-hmm. Nasser, but it's not, it has nothing to do with the game at all. No, no. So yeah, so really. Stellar, the space was is is closer to you than uh, than the lighthouse theme, must yeah. you? Yeah, I think so. What's the, what's the time Same. frame on playing that, Alex? That game uh, takes takes about a half hour, maybe maybe okay. even a little bit less. It's not it's not a long in depth kind of it, it's it's a deep game, but it's certainly not a lengthy game. It, I love it, what it, you were describing there about the the choice of the card is really a choice of two things at once. And yes. that you have that tension between, well, this might not be the greatest choice for me in card, but it's going to do something for me by giving a little bit and what I'm picking next. I like that. The tension sounds cool. Well, and it's, and it's hate drafting, too. There might be something that mm-hmm. Abby really wants that would complete a run or would help her or fill out her board. And in order to kind of battle her for that, I might take that card away from her. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. may then hamper my own plans for how to play right. Does that decision slow things down, though? Because uh, one of the things I hate is when people are just mathing it out and mathing it out, and uh, next thing you know, it's 20 minutes, and they're still sitting there. There's not enough to this to, 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 to be stuck in that moment for too long. So it's certainly not anything we ran into. Right. And the other benefit of it is it takes a certain number of turns. It yeah. will take this number of turns. You play until your telescope You're, is filled up. Gotcha. When your telescope is filled up, the game is done. Period. End of story. I like that. Santa Monica does the same thing. You're playing the 14 cards. And mm-hmm. so while you're playing, you kind of forget the number. But when you get to 9, 10, and 11, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you start going, okay, I've got, I've got the right. symbols that right. I want. Now how can I start scoring them? Is that kind of similar in Stellar? Uh, yes, yeah, effectively. I mean, like you, you see the end game coming? You, yes, at the start of things, you're, you're going to kind of have a, a, something that steers your strategy. The game seeds you with the very top middle card of your telescope and one card in your notebook to start. So you have something to go off of. And then as the game goes on, your strategy gets steered. Um, There are only certain places you're legally allowed to place cards. So there's some tension that comes in as far as that goes. So, for instance, if I have a clump of asteroids already, my next asteroid has to be as part of that same clump. Um, I'm not legally allowed to place it not connected or uh, there's not orthogonally adjacent. I mean, it's just kind of everything's either adjacent or it isn't Mm -hmm. um, in this. So... Yeah, it, it, there's there's that kind of decision, and and you get some tense moments down the stretch because am I going to be able to fit this in? Am I going to be able to complete this run? It's the difference between you know a two times multiplier or a five times multiplier. Am I, mm-hmm. you know, am I going to be able to beat my opponent to scoring this bottom row? Am I going to be able to beat my opponent? Or am I? Gonna, uh, there's a, another thing for diversity bonus. Am I going to score the diversity bonus? Is it worth me scoring the, the diversity bonus in this game? There's a lot going on here, choice wise, and uh, yeah, they do a lot with a little. Last question. Interesting. Do you think the Washington Post is too powerful? Is it is it broken? <laughs> Are they broken? Are their cards broken? <laughs> oh wait, sorry. Sorry. It's not a Nickelodeon themed game, although it could be bizarrely intriguing if it was. I don't know how that theme would work, but not my, everything my, is Watergate, BJ. My real last question was the the art. Tell me about the art. Yeah, I don't know who did it offhand, and okay. and I'll I'll talk about this on the show, hmm. but it's. It's simple. It's well done. It's clean. Uh, it's 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 eye catching, but not striking. It's not you know my favorite art I've ever seen in a game. But 
And the box itself has this beautiful spot UV in certain parts so that it pops a little bit. It looks oh. very nice. So, um, no, I dig the look of the game too. It, it, from, from that standpoint, it works well. The one nitpick, and we'll talk about this more on the show, um, is those telescope cards. I get why they did it that way. If they had had it as two individual player boards, would have upped the production cost a ton, yeah. but I think it would have improved the experience of the game. Mm. Uh, just a bit. And you can hear more about it on the Duke's Dice, and that is, hey, Stella from Renegade Games. Designers Matt and Ben. Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback. There you go. PJ from Game Gumbo. I've got my guests here, Steve and Alex, and we're talking spicy hot games. And there was another game that you brought out. Steve, you got to check out? No, no I was just waiting, oh, saying hello. Yeah, I saw you were bringing out another hot game that may not make the show this time. So tell me about Mandala. We'll talk about I've, it. I've been hearing a lot about this on uh, social media, but I've never seen it in the wild. So we'll, t- we'll talk about it on the show. I, this was out okay. of stock when I was first looking to get this, and it came back into stock on Amazon and scooped up a copy that way. Uh, so this is Mandala. It is another two-player only game. I'll show you what it comes with. This game, this is a kind of a watchdog Alex moment a little bit. It comes with this very, very large foldable cloth board. I don't know if folks hmm. can see that pretty well. Mino-like. Yeah. I, I don't like cloth boards. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I'm not a fan either. They, they tried it in Tokyo Highway to kind of have it all fit in that one box. This one, you don't even Tokyo need Highway? to be quite this large. It, it gives it a nice presence. Uh, Tokyo but, Metro, maybe? I, I mean, here's the thing with this one. You have, you have this little cloth mat. You have a rule book. And you have these cards, the stack of cards. What is a what is the price point on this game? With that, uh, twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, you're dead right. Thirty. Oh. I think it's a little much personally, but yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I will wait, say, that, that, wait, that's the MSRP, and you're complaining about it? Yeah. <laughs> wait, is that the MSRP, or that's what you paid for it? I think that's what I paid for it too. Okay. Mm. Well, the MSRP would be higher than probably, right? Mm, based like on Amazon because it was out of stock. Right. Um, it, it, yeah, I paid, I think, straight up MSRP for it. But you can feel free to do a little bit of research while I, while I talk through the game. And uh, Adam Austin says, no, it's not Moncala, it's Mandala. Mm-hmm. Bill gets 28 bucks. You're weighing in in the chat. And yeah, I would agree. It is pretty sweet. It's... Uh, it's another one of these that that does a lot with a little, right? As I, as I showed you, it's just a board and it's just this deck of cards. That's all we're talking about. Uh, the cards themselves come in these beautiful patterns in different colors. You have an orange one, yellow one, you have a purple one, you have a green one, you have a red one, and you have a black one. Six different kind of colors of cards. That's the only difference in the deck. It's it's there's no special cards, no special abilities. It's just this, um, mm. and you have a handful of cards. And on your turn, you can do one of two things. You can either play to one of the two areas that you're battling over, and I'll I'll kind of hold this up and explain. So you can either play to one of these two areas in the middle, um, like right in the middle. Or you can play to your side of the outside to try and win the card. If you play the middle, you get to draw cards after you do so. If you play to your side, you don't draw additional cards, but you increase your strength and your chances of winning the cards in the middle, which is the prize, the prize that you're trying to win. 
Um, the, the trick of this is there are six colors and the mandala itself will score, won't do anything until all six colors are present. And once a color is somewhere, it can't be somewhere else. So for instance, if BJ, you had an orange on your side of the board, I can't play orange to the middle and I can't play orange to my side of the board. You can play multiple other oranges to your side of the board to increase your strength. You own that color for that specific mandala. Once it scores, then we distribute the cards in the middle one at a time. So basically, um, let's say you won that one, BJ. Once all six colors are triggered, um, you would get dealt, or you would, you would choose, I should say, one stack of cards in the middle. So if there were two reds in the middle, you would get both of those reds. If there was a black, you could pick that one. You pick one of the colors, then I pick one of the colors, and then if there are any colors left, which is possible, you'd pick more of those colors. <laughs> then what gets interesting is those cards get scored. And if you see on the end of the board here, you have numbers, and they're upside down on this look, but one all the way up to six. The first time you get a color, let's say I get an orange, orange would go here, and it would mean orange scores at the end of the game one point for me. So the first card here doesn't score at all. It kind of determines what gets scored. And then anything past that that's orange now goes in my scoring pile and scores one point. The next color I take, let's say it's black, goes in my number two column. And now black scores me two points per black card at the end of the game and so on and so forth. So different colors are going to be worth different amounts to different people, depending on when in the game you take them, um, what things look like. So you want to win clumps of cards, uh, but some cards may be more worthless. You might win a five cards, BJ, but that may not matter to me because they only count for one point each for you. Um, you're seeded a couple of cards at the start of the game into your scoring pile to give you some direction as to what, what you might want to be of a higher value. The game is going to end uh, in one of two ways. Uh, one, if any player gets uh, their sixth different color in their scoring pile, we then flip over here, whatever's in the, the scoring stack, and score. Uh, the other way is if the deck runs out, which can happen, uh, you will kind of reshuffle what's in the discard pile, but then the next time any mandala scores, either side scores, the game ends hard stop after the mandala is distributed. I'm struggling to think of a game this is like. This seems like some pretty unique me mechanics in there. Is, there. is there any reference in there? I'm trying to think of what it would be most similar to. I, I mean, mechanically, it's dirt simple. Like if I, if I pulled out a reference card for this, it's it's very clearly just, hey, you either play a card here to the middle and draw cards. You either play a card to your side and don't draw cards. Or you uh, the third option you can do is you can discard any number of cards of a color and then redraw other cards. So okay. a, card, uh, a color is worthless. You can't play it in either stack or you just don't want it and you have a bunch of them and you want to refresh your hand and you're looking for one specific color to try and trigger a scoring of a mandala, you can discard, say, five reds and draw five cards back, but that's your entire turn. Okay. So it's, again, it's dirt simple. You'll do one of three things on a turn, and you pick, you play to one of two different areas, and within those two areas, you only have two options. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of Lost Cities and Jiper mashed together. Uh, you yeah. know, a little, a little bit of... Does but it, it, needs, it, needs, it needs something else to also talk about the value of what you're getting. Throw in a little bit of a Biblios for setting the market mm. values for things you're collecting, and That's you might it. be on the track there. Yeah. It's a totally different mechanism, but you are setting the value for what you're collecting and turning it up or turning it down based on when you, where you place those cards in, in your side. It, it's, it's true, though, BJ, that in Lost Cities, for instance, different colors of cards are going to be worth different things to different players. Right. Um, I may really covet this one type of card because it's more valuable to me. And you may 
find it completely worthless. Right. The value, the value is different between those two. And you know, you have a sense it's public information, what cards are scoring at what values for me. Mm-hmm. So I like the gameplay. I'm not so sure about the cloth map. I'm not, it's just not my favorite, man. Those I, I will tell you, I, I didn't dislike it. Uh, the, oh. uh, in terms of things in this game, this was not the thing that, that kind of bugged me. It, it, it laid flat enough. That's the thing with cloth mats that I tend not to like is they don't lay bunch up. Yeah, exactly. So it worked out well. And again, the game is the game is a dirt simple mechanically. But I think there's, again, a lot of depth there. There's a lot to it. What's the playtime we're looking at? It's again, it's about 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, it's it's reasonably short. Not a lot of AP. I enjoy it a lot. Abby thinks for her, it's a little too simple, interestingly enough. Hmm. That was, her, that was her assessment of it, was that it was a little too simple. Um, but again, we'll talk about that more on the show. But that's, yeah, that's the other one that uh, kind of came in the mix. Interesting. Well, Alex, man, thanks for chumming in and uh, chiming in with those two games. we got Matthew Aslan, uh, the designer of uh, The Rat Catcher. So stick around I'm if out. you like solo games. I'm out. We'll see you later. Again, Taking Alex goes with the Duke's Dice. Check him out on the next podcast. He'll be doing some solo, uh, I mean, uh, some two-player game reviews. Yes. See you later. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you, see you Alex. Hey, hey, Alex, oh, welcome to the show. Hey, Matthew, welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm going to stop crashing your interview. And this I'm is why I, I like board games instead of technology. <laughs> morning, gents. Hey, hey morning, good morning, Matthew. This is Steve over here, and I'm, I'm BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Welcome aboard. We've been kind of killing time talking to our friend Alex Goldsmith, who's been a, a guest on the show a couple of times, and also Steve and I talking. But I am so glad you uh, you finally made it. Oh, tell me about Let it. Let me get back to technology my show. Hey, Matthew, just in case people haven't uh, heard of you or Platypus Industries before, give us the elevator pitch. You know what that is uh, as a designer and a publisher. Give us the elevator yep. pitch. Who is Matthew? <laughs> now we lost BJ. <laughs> I was going to say, now BJ's gone. <laughs> Go ahead and keep going with the elevator pitch, Matthew. We'll keep it going. Oh, the elevator pitch is pretty easy. Oh, I'm a lifelong gamer like most designers. Um, from the tender age of eight, I've uh, been wargaming for most of my life. I've owned a local gaming store i've been a buyer for games companies i've worked in the industry just about all my life uh, and then over the last few years recently changed to being a graphic designer uh, which has definitely been helpful over the last few months and yeah now games designer publisher all right so so all the way back from age of eight what was it that brought you in first of all what was, what was the uh, early memory say again <laughs> good old hero quest good old hero quest all right cool I think BJ was going to try and log back in here for a second, but I'll try and keep going with what he was saying. Um, we, we talked a little bit about some earlier games that you've been talking about, um, but uh, you said you changed games and went into a, a career in graphic design. How does that um, how does that flow into your time now doing board game design? Uh, well, I, it flows in haze. Graphic design, I think, is one of the most underrated things in a game design. Um, I'm sure we've all had games where you trouble learning, trouble using the interface for it. Um, good graphic design can make all the difference in a good game. Excellent. Excellent. Now, here's the difficulty we're going to have until BJ can jump back in because he's got all the files to be able to show the wonderful game that we've got for you here. Um, we've, we have posted the link to the Kickstarter, but maybe you can talk us through what started you with the idea for the Rat Catcher. It was a really odd one, actually. I was talking to um, the Quackalope the other day about it, actually, and we were exploring the uh, origins of Rat Catcher. And it's a bit of a, an unusual one because it started as a kid's game uh, in which you would play as little kids hunting rats like whack-a-mole almost with little oh, hammers. 
you just go around whacking all the rats and having a bit of fun counting up some points with depending on which rats you can catch and uh that's what it was going to be and yeah a little bit different now and it's a uh, far more dark gothic and <laughs> sort not, of your now. character's smacking anything you're not actually wielding any hammers but there are some that have the hammers to, to be able to wield for you in the game right as the characters yeah cool tell us a little bit about what you've got going with this design i mean it's a solo game right solo only yeah um at the moment i'm I've just started some design and development, which I've been talking to the backers about, um, of doing a co-op adventure as the next sort of chapter in the universe. Um, But that's a long way off. I've only just sort of started to crack how to introduce multiple players. Right, flipping um, Because it's such a solo design game. People usually want you to take the competitive game and turn it into something you could solo. You started solo and you're turning it around to make it into a more cooperative thing. PJ, welcome back to your own It's actually (laughs) pretty I'm sitting there talking and going on, and I can't see you guys. I'm like, well, I'm just going to cancel this show. So I went to Facebook, and you guys, were, you were doing a great job interviewing. I said, you know, what? I'm going to sit back. The only reason I jumped back in is because Steve said, oh, "Well, we can't do any, uh, we can't do any pictures." Uh, <laughs> All right, so show. take it away, Steve. I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I'll no, we'll keep going. Right. You were, he was just starting to talk to us about the design of this as a co-op game, and uh, thinking about maybe, uh, yeah. try, oh, starting it with solo, but maybe thinking of going in the direction of co-op. Oh, so far, the latest breakthrough I've had with uh, getting the turn sequencing done um, has definitely allowed co-op to be an option. Interesting. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit different. I haven't found any other games as an example, uh, and it's something I'm definitely looking for at the moment to try and really get a leg up on the idea. Um, but, yeah, solo to multiplayer has been a real difficulty <laughs> compared to <laughs> what, yeah, as you said, most usually it's... Uh, multiplayer down which i think is a little bit easier you right. just start filling in players mm-hmm. yeah tell everybody about the game crafter i saw that you won the game crafter solo contest how did you get involved in that uh we we were one of the finalists we didn't actually win that one i'm trying to think who okay. won that one uh, it, was it looks really like you good were a finalist is that right yeah, we were, it was a really good comp uh everyone really had fun uh i still keep in touch with a few of the other designers in the competition, actually, it was really good uh, motivation to turn the rat catcher from an idea and a few sketches in a book into a, a actual playable game. Uh, it was all done in about sixty days. The original game with all the artwork wow. I did for it, all the graphic design, everything. Really, um, it pumped out really quickly, and that was uh, about two years ago now, maybe even a bit further along. Uh, it's amazing to see how far it's come. <laughs> We were showing off pictures in the disc, in the Platypus Discord the other day of some of the really early prototypes, and is she an ugly uh, baby? That one. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I didn't pick that up. Did you do the artwork yourself? Yep. Holy cow, Steve! I had no nice. idea. I knew you did the graphic design because I, nah, that's one of the things that you do. Wow, you everything did everything on this game. Everything, three D work, mm-hmm. video work, in uh, everything. <laughs> This one wasn't. This is the the version two artwork and everything. So yeah, it's had a okay. lot more time development and process. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> but yeah, I can still see a lot of the the core ideas coming through. Like uh, Miss Black, the lady with the top hat. Yes, uh, she hasn't changed too much since the original versions of her. Uh, the Rat King hasn't changed too much. But some of the other characters you know, are definitely, And you guys may have already right. talked about this, but what's the elevator pitch for the game? If you were trying to sell the chat crew on why they should check out the project tonight, what, what's the pitch? 
so the rat catcher makes you the unlikely hero of the day with the kingdom of Bree being infested with rats. Uh, this is due to the kingdom inventing a magical cheese, which does everything. It's a wonderful product. Um, but yeah, sadly, it's uh, key selling <laughs> point could, is to rats. We could use it right now, Matthew. If you could get that far, uh, so right now, we could use them. <laughs> in some of the law that's going to come out in the uh, future expansions, we're going to talk about some of the wonderful things that uh, it does. It's the only cheese in the kingdom that uh, is able to be eaten by people who are lactose intolerant. So it's a wonderful cheese. <laughs> wow. And how how, uh, how long does it play? Uh, so it's about 30 minutes to 45 minutes you'll go through a game. I watched Quacklobe's video I watched Quacklobe's video on it and he admitted that he's never won the game. How tough is this game, Matthew? The game can be tough. It is winnable. Uh, we talk about about an 80% loss rate. Um, and oh, there is a hard okay. map that's being instigated through the Kickstarter stretch goals as well. So make it a little bit harder. It doesn't make it like unwinnable, but it does make it a little bit trickier. And I think I found after the hundreds and hundreds of games I've played of uh, Rat Catcher, I enjoy the hard mode because it yeah, gets rid of a few of my tactical advantages from experience. Steve, you got some? Yeah, talk, talk to us about what's what's going on in the game. How, how are you acting as the Rat Catcher? Talk to us a little bit about the mechanics of how it'll play because I think that's what's going to get people to be interested in, in sitting down uh, and saying, oh, I can, I can see myself as this character, but what am I doing with this character? Yeah, no problems at all. It's really good. You've got the character board up there. So the character board's your quintessential item that handles all the mechanics during the game. You've got attack dice that you'll use throughout the game to randomly see whether you can catch a rat or not. And as you collect magical cheese throughout the mission, you'll be able to allocate it onto the board and unlock new abilities, upgrade parts of your character. Um, you'll also be able to place traps. This is a different tactical option than I think a lot of most adventure games give you is this allows you to spread yourself a little bit and attacking the hordes of rats because the rats do outnumber you quite severely in the game. So you'll have to use your traps really cleverly and your abilities quite cleverly to, to keep on top of the horde. I love the fact that you've got these dual layered boards. Is, is oh, that yeah. something that you've played in other games and you just loved or, you know, something you really needed for this game or is it, is it a combination of both? Uh, it's a little bit of a combination of both. I think, one, it's a nice quality thing, but, two, with the Rat Catcher board in particular, there's a lot of tokens, and I've found even just playing the game, if you bump the the board a little bit, it can just shift mm -hmm. things out of place for you. So having that, especially in the movement track, that you'll notice it's a jagged path. It just makes sure the little token won't slide because that's a really important statistic. And I've mm -hmm. even found it's when you're playing, you can get a little bit into it and forget exactly where you're at economically um and yeah it's nice to have that locked into place so i know exactly where i'm at so 80 percent loss rate and that's even with all of the, the the practice that you see out there how did you get the play testing done is that friends and family big play testing group uh how, how, what's the play test like in australia well play testing is very tier based it doesn't matter where you are so yeah you start with internal testing thankfully with a solo game internal testing is really easy um <laughs> I'm going to play this game tonight. No, I don't feel like No, you're going to play it tonight. That's what I said. The amount of times I've played the game because you just sit there going, oh, I want to try this out. I don't have to wait for somebody. Right. Just let, let's do it. Run through a full game. 
Um, yeah, then close friends. I'm lucky to be part of a really good community of gamers here in Melbourne. Yeah, Mick, so, it, Mick, it is right on Kickstarter right now for the next seven days, right? Roughly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, another six days. Yeah. So tell us about Getting the Melbourne. Really- yeah, tell us about the Melbourne Play Group. Uh, Melbourne Play Testers are really good. So we've got tiers. I've got local people that are really close within, you know, five, ten minutes. And then we can go into in the CBD here. We've got our incubator group, which is all the the Victorian playtesters and game designers all sort of get together there. So, yeah, sourcing from those guys and then start going nationally with heaps of playtesting through that. And, yeah, then even flinging it overseas. I've got one or two copies in the U.S., uh, there's a copy in the UK and there's a copy touring Europe at the moment as well. So, how far are you from Tasmania? Places. How far are you from Tasmania? A fair bit of a swim. Uh, <laughs> Steve's got some friends in Tasmania that are big, big gamers. I don't know if you've heard of the Dice Man Cometh, but uh... my dad's in Tasmania actually. Okay. Okay. Are, are you a fan I've of the Dice Man Cometh podcast? No. Yeah, they're great. Um, Mark and I actually did an interview last pack. So oh, very cool. Okay. Steve was on the show last week, and I had I had Leon on the show a couple of weeks ago, just for oh, a brief wow. platform. So yeah, that was actually they're, they're really cool guys. They're, they're uh, really yeah, cool they're, guys. they're so much fun. <laughs> now, Matthew, you actually used to run an FLGS, is that right? Yeah, for about four or five years. So that's where I usually came from the retail side of the game industry. Okay, that's where you started it, right? Yeah. Yeah, or even just as a gamer i was lucky enough to pick up a job in a game store when i was young and yeah the the addiction kept going from there and did you were you the owner or were you the manager yeah i've been i've worked my way up through the tiers and yeah eventually opened my own store what made you decide to go into the publishing side uh well life changed a lot uh i left the store because i had twin girls so that uh, changes life a fair bit. Then gotcha. <laughs> our 10, you've seen them, I think, wandering back and forth through the back. Yep. The fun of being in isolation with everybody. Yeah, Topher, the, this art, you got to understand, this art was done by Matthew himself, man. Thomas said something similar earlier before that the art was really engaging and was, was uh, interesting for the game. I find it fascinating that you began with the art and the characters in your head and the game emerged. That's cool. There was a, it's always a hard combination as an artist, which starts where. And hopefully I think they should influence each other a little mm-hmm. bit as well. I don't like the disconnects. It's one of the big problems I have with a Euro game is I, I hate the disconnect between little cubes and I'm supposed to be doing what? They're all, <laughs> there's not enough of a connect for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for theme. The, the best Euros. No, but the best Euros always seem to have an explanation as to why you're doing things. The, the, yeah. the mechanics themselves fit the theme of the game not necessarily from a like an ameritrash standpoint i'm saying that when you think oh i'm going to be doing this it it makes sense when you increase your family in agricola it makes sense that you would have more actions more but you'd also have to feed more right yeah so exactly that's where i think that's the most engaging uh, euro games and and i'm sure as a as a as a theme person you're bringing that into games like the rat catcher right Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's just the most important part of any game no matter what category it comes from it just it helps create that nice magic circle Steve, you got something? No, I was just checking in on chat. There's a lot of people talking about and saying hello and, uh, and wishing you luck with this and saying that they love the dual-layered boards. Look at <laughs> It's the funniest things that people love. <laughs> dual-layered boards, that's the thing. That is definitely the thing. <laughs> that custom dice. Everyone wants custom dice. 
All right, so you were asking about the frosted dice before, though, weren't you? Yeah, you got to tell me about this frosted dice. What are we talking about here? (laughs) What are we talking about here? The the easiest way to explain them is: Have you seen the new version of Kings of Tokyo, the dark edition? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, the dice—they're the frosted effect. That's the cool. Cool. My three D render doesn't do them justice. Yeah, yeah. We needed something a little better. We'll have to check that out. So. Check out the frosted ice. You guys are getting close. Anything, any little secrets that you're, any things that you really want to happen with this project? Uh, uh, besides revealing this last nemesis rat, because um, he's been a really big secret. He's he's only been play tested by a very small groups. So hopefully the backers and I are going to fine tune him a bit more after we finish the campaign um, because he's been super secret. Uh, and he... He don't, not only adds a big badass uh, rat that he is, he unveils a little bit of the story about where the magical cheese comes from. So, Oh. Are you All foreseeing right. sequels to this? Are yes. You, are you foreseeing a world emerging here? Oh, there's a whole world filled with magical cheese. It's okay. disastrous and rat-filled. The more magical cheese out there, the better, right? Yeah. Right, Steve? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, that I is- actually just started that is the rat the campaign. campaign. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Campaign cool. would be that. It just seems natural if you got all this 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 world just bubbling up, channeling yeah. into a campaign. And that's the rat catcher <laughs> out on uh, Kickstarter right now from Platypus Industries. Matthew Aslan, designer, graphic designer. He does artwork. He's uh, like the man of all trades. But Matthew, this is a board game show, and if we're going to do a board game show, we got to play a game. You ready? Are you what ready are we to got? play a game? All right. So yep. the game we're going to play tonight is called the Envy Game. It's a Cajun word. All it means is a is a a hankering or a, a jonesing. I don't know what I don't know what term you'd use in Australia, but when you really really want to do something, or you really want to eat something, right? Do y'all have a word for that? Crazy. <laughs> right? Okay, good. The Envy Game is a game that you right now, if the show ended and stopped, you had the perfect play group. No one to bother you, no work to be done, and you had the game in front of you, whether it's a game you own already or a game you, you've always wanted to own. You just need to think of the game real quick. Don't tell us. The chat crew and I are going to compete with Steve, and we're going to try to guess the game. We only have about 20 <laughs> questions to do it. We'll see if we can do it. Uh, I'm worried if anyone who knows me really well, this is going to be way too easy. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, we love easy on this show, man. We love easy. We need easy. We need easy. We've lost a uh, lot of time on the show, Matthew. I was just making sure it wasn't on the shelf behind me. Yeah, yeah. Check that out. You know, I I, I saw I'm on Chris Pan's show, Game All Night, and I didn't realize Watergate was behind me. And I'm going on and on. I'm trying to be clever. And on guest three, they said, "Is it Watergate?" We're like, "Oh, dang it, oil." <laughs> so, oh well. All right, so. This game has a hankering for a hunk of cheese. Yes, Topher, I remember that. It takes you back to that, that animated Saturday morning cartoon. Those old things. All right, so the only game. You understand the rules, Matthew? Indeed. Okay, good. All right, so uh, I always start out with the first question. Is it a competitive or is it a cooperative game? And I'm going to guess competitive. No, it's cooperative. Oh, I'm wrong, Steve. Mm. Well, okay. that narrows down the list to only about uh, 1,200 games. So we're getting closer. Okay. <laughs> oh, yep. so close. All right, Jack. Last, last five years? Published in the last five years? Published in the last five years. I think so. I'd have to double check. <laughs> there's, there's a cameo appearance walking behind in the background. Is that one of the twins? Okay. Yep. Hey, check. check. Hey, look. Look at the wave. All right. 
All right. So, Jesse, don't take too long. Be quick because Steve may guess this before you get back. No, 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 no. All right. So, so Matthew's checking. Chat crew, just to remind you, you're playing the Envy game with Matthew Aslan, designer of the Rat Catcher. It's a cooperative game, and he's checking to see if it's in the last five years or not. While, but in that ballpark or – yeah, something like that. While you're okay. doing that, Matthew, I, I have a question for you. Yep. Does it have does it have minis in it? Yes. Hey, uh, Steve, I'm having trouble with the chat. I, I can't. The only, act, I the can't only uh, on. question I've seen so far is that Topher's come up with is there a trader mechanism? Oh, I see it now. Yeah, trader mechanism. There we go. No, there's not a trader mechanism. Not a trader. That would so make it, it very cool, though. It does have minis, though, right? It yes. does have minis. Okay. okay. So that throws shadows bad, uh, over Camelot out. No trader mm-hmm. mechanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how about um, – what do you – got a question, Steve? What's yours? Is it something that we would have recognized as an award winner? Ooh. No. An award winner? No. Not an award winner. Okay. Does it yeah, – so um, last, last five years just. Last five years just. Ooh, okay. chat crew, that's a big clue there. Then the last five years. So throw out pandemic, throw out uh, shadows over Camelot. Um, does have minis, and it's should try and focus on theme. Does it have a um, does it have a fantasy theme? Yes, it's got a very distinct theme. <laughs> an IP? No, not. In, I was about to say Lord of the Rings. Okay, so not IP. No, that, that very, dis- very distinctive fantasy IP co-op minis. Last five years. Well, that's not Legends of Andor because that's that's way older than five years. Um, it is showing your age too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the chat who can probably guess my age. I've it's, got, it's I've got grandkids. We're, we're showing our age. Yeah, look at this thing, man. Uh, Matthew, just to let <laughs> just to let you know, as I told Steve, I color gray though. Just so, you yeah. know, just so sure. Maybe look, it's, maybe look it's a stylistic color. Thomas, Thomas wants, wants to know if yeah, go ahead. Go Thomas wants to know if it was kickstarted. Yes, it was. Does it have colonists? Colonists? Yes. Not the right word for it, but very similar. I'm thinking. Are you thinking Spirit Island? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I was, I was leaning there too. Minis. Not really. I guess those little True. tiny. See, I was thinking of those little tiny things, but they're not really minis. Though. True, minis. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. I'm from a gaming background. Minis are minis. Yeah, minis are minis. <laughs> How big does a mini have to be before it's a maxi, though? That's what I want to know. Before it's not a mini. Oh, there's no limit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bigger the better. Topher wants to know, is it a really dark fantasy theme or like, you know, the the bright? Uh, uh, the, this is very dark. <laughs> Topher might have a, have an inkling of where we're going here. You want to take a shot? Oh, Topher, yes. take a guess. Yeah, Berla was thinking Spirit Island, too. So it's not that. Uh, let's see. Mm, is it, is it still in print? Yep. Mm. Cooperative is throwing me here now. So it's got minis, but is it board based or is it more of a card game? Board. Board. Dice? Yep. The zombies? Gotta have the so like uh, no zombies. Yeah, because no I was zombies. thinking like a Black Plague would be medieval fantasy and very possibly, dark. Possibly, possibly, yeah. Not that. Um, yeah, me and Cool Mini don't get along. <laughs> ah, okay, so we can we can knock out any of the Simon games, right? Topher okay. may have it. Is it Kingdom Death Monster? 
Yes. Oh, Topher got it. He got that right away. Why didn't we think of that? Kickstarter, dark, Kickstarter dark, dark, dark. dark. That one. was the hint. Matthew, that was the big hint. Topher had it. Nice job, Topher. It is KDM. Uh, you know, I still have yet to play it. We have it in the Gumbo Crew. I just have yet to play it. Uh, it it looks uh, a little a dark, Matthew. What's that? Yeah, I've known Adam for years, the guy who creates it all. So, oh, yeah, Adam yeah I'm, a, I'm one of the original fanboys. Even before the game, I had the miniatures, everything. I, I love that universe. Wow. Very good. Can you make the Rat Catcher that big of a universe, you think? Is that your hope? I have a Rat Catcher um, crossover with KD in design. So I've got to talk to Adam when he's got some more spare time and uh, hopefully we'll work hey, something out. Let him finish delivering the game, Matthew, before you get involved. <laughs> he still so hasn't played the whole game. I can last out another 10 years. <laughs> it's, a, it's become a lifestyle game. So it, I used to do volunteering work for Great Box, and our booth was just down the road from uh, KDM's booth. And, oh, my God, when, the, when Gen Con would open up, the, the you maybe you if you've ever been to Gen Con have you been to Gen Con no sadly no okay. you guys are too far swim away oh, oh Matthew they lined up all the way from the other end of the hall oh, all the way yeah. past our booth I mean they were there the minute the hall opened they wanted to get those sweet 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 deals on the minis so. yeah it's nuts he's created a cult it's a lifestyle game for sure and that is the Envy game presented by our friends Berkey and them at Game Toppers LLC make your game nights game. a showstopper. When you play on a game topper, Matthew. Oh, yeah. Uh, th- all right, board gamers, that is it for another episode of Gumbo Live. Hey, Matthew, how can people reach you if they want to talk to you about the Rat Catcher before it goes away in the next six days? Oh, just on the Kickstarter, I'm really, really active in the comment sections there. Um, you can even pop across to our Platypus Industries Discord channel. Uh, where I leak lots of information and show pictures of me playing the game and working on art and uh, get some feedback as we're doing some stuff. Uh, at the moment, we're choosing a mascot rat that oh. I'm in the concepting and things during the campaign. So uh, we're just about to narrow down voting over the next 24 hours, and then I'll get finalized in the artwork to hopefully have it done by the end of the campaign. Ah, make sure to check it out. Congratulations to Topher also on winning the Omni yes. game. Hey, make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gumbo, and our YouTube channel because it helps us get the word out about all of our upcoming shows, including next week. We're going back down under. We have Josh from America, but he's talking about the Great Barry, the Great Barrier Reef card game, which is out on Kickstarter. Josh from Travel Buddy Games, who's the, one of the developers over at Gray Fox. He's got a little travel game, and it's going to be pretty cool to look at. I'm BJ from More Game Gumbo, and until next time, Matthew and Steve, les le bon temps roulet. My pleasure. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the name father, Steve O'Rourke with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo, or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Board Game Gumbo is a proud member of Punchboard Media, where you can find new audio podcasts, written reviews, videos, how-to-plays, and more at PunchboardMedia.com. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Until next time... Les le bon temps roulés.